afternoon, everybody. Thank you very much for coming. We're delighted that you're here. My family and I are very, very happy to be home. I prophesy that summer is coming. And uh, <laughs> I am very uh, humbled. I, we are going to have Brother Bernard with us next Sunday. That's a, it's a big deal. I've never, we've never had a general superintendent. I've wanted that for, and we fell through a couple times with others. But so David Bernard is a very, very, very special man. You will, you will want to hear him. He's, um, he, I, I have such high regard and respect for him. And so, um, to all of you that made that possible and that have um, known about this, obviously before the past, you know they they say you know what's that scripture? You were talking to my heifer or something. Just you wouldn't have known this if you wouldn't have been with my cows. But uh, I didn't know this was going on. But uh, but here's the deal: no money. You got that? No money. You want to give money, you give it to the new temple, not to the preacher. To those of you that are watching us online, thank you. You faithfully, from all over the country, watch this thing. We're grateful for your faithfulness, and you're obviously grateful for this live stream. Some of you can give me $100,000. And um, that's not a joke. That's real. And uh, I know... I, I, I travel constantly. I hear from hundreds and hundreds of people that watch this thing every week. You have a home church, you tithe to your home church. However, the Bible talks about offerings. You can give us an offering. And uh, if you don't have a home church, then tithe to this church until you get a home church. At the beginning of April, we're going to have a recommitment service. We're on the way to $6 million. We've got a couple of that now. We're going to get some more, but I'd like to do at least 400000 on that day. And so uh, to all of you faithful people, thank you for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. And um, they say without a, vision, the par- the, without a vision, the people perish. Or no, is that how it goes? Yeah, without a vision, the people perish. That's only half of a scripture. The other half says without money, the vision perishes. So uh, we're building a new temple, and we're going to occupy until he comes. And so we all want to be together. There's a church that's in here earlier before you. Don't know many of you, but it'd be nice when we can all be together. So thank you for your faithfulness and thank you to all of you that are watching us. Will you stand with me, please? I I very seldom do I read a lot of scripture. I'm going to read. um, I, I have to read this to you so you understand where I'm coming from. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana. This is John chapter 2. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said they they have no wine. This is a fascinating verse. Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. 
And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the wine, tasted the water that was made wine, he didn't know where it came from. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But basically you kept the best till last. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. I'm going to teach you something from verse number nine. The servants always know. The servants always know. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. Since I'm the only one standing. (laughs) I've always been fascinated with the Bible. Or I have since probably I was 17. I never did want to be a story preacher. I wanted to be a Bible preacher. There's a lot of preaching that I hear that as far as I'm concerned is cool whip. Uh, there are people that believe Cool Whip is a food group. And um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And if you don't give people some good word, then how are you going to increase their faith? Do you know the Bible begins with a story of a river and two trees? It ends with a story of a river and two trees. Revelation 22 talks about a river and two trees. So it really... I don't know, it, it, was, it was amazing to me to, to realize that right smack dab in the middle of the Bible is the story of a river and two trees. Because there's this thing there, water came out of the house of God to the ankles, the knees, the loins. And it said, and on either side of the river were these trees. Very interesting trees. Trees who produced different fruit every month. Apples one month, oranges the next. And their leaves could heal nations. And I I knew there had to be something to it, but it started to come together for me when I, I studied Isaiah 61. That's where Jesus took his text on his first sermon. It's found in Luke chapter 4. Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me, anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, opening of the prison of the bound. But in Isaiah 61, it said that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And then I found this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorner, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his 
law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf won't wither. Everything he does will prosper. I'm convinced we're the trees. I, I, those kind of trees don't grow by ponds. They don't grow by mud holes. Those kind of trees grow by rivers. And you've got to, so many verses thrown through my mind right now, but Psalm said, there is a river. There is a river. You study that story of the water to the ankles and knees. I was a hillbilly kid, so I, I, I swam in streams all the time I was growing up. As long as you're touching bottom, you're in control. But the prophet Ezekiel talked about a place where it's past your waist. You can't touch bottom. You are at the whim and the will of the current. Current. See, you notice that water to the knees or the ankles rather than knees, the loins. The deeper you get in him, the less of you will be seen. And they that go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters, these see as wonders in the deep. You don't catch big fish on the shore. You don't catch big fish on the shore. You, you got to go out there where the big stuff is. And, you know, I preached about Noah's Ark for so many years, but it wasn't really recently I realized Noah's Ark didn't have a sail. It didn't have a rudder. It didn't have a steering wheel. That thing just floated in the current. You're totally at the whim of the current. There is a place in the Holy Ghost where, you know, you look at the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 2, Holy Ghost is poured out. How does Acts chapter 3 begin? Ankles. It says Peter and John went up to pray, but it's obviously there was someone there that who modestly didn't mention his name. His name is Luke. He's a doctor. Notice the way he describes it. And immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. That doctor saw them twisted, bent feet and went, this boy's in real trouble. But in the name of Jesus, it was snap, crackle, pop. And all of a sudden that dude could stand. And he didn't just stand, it said, and he leaping up stood. So Acts chapter 3 begins with ankles. When you get into Acts chapter 4, it talks about knees, it said, and prayer was made without ceasing. When you get into Acts chapter 5, it talks about loins. Loins are reproductive parts. When you get into Acts chapter 5, the great company of priests believed. The Lord added daily. The number of disciples was multiplied. You've got 120 in the morning, 3,000 more before the day is over. A couple chapters later, you've got 5,000. Then the count was lost. The count was lost. So I think there's a lot of analogies and typologies there. And I, I, I've just have always enjoyed that, how the Bible begins with trees and ends with trees. And it, it, the word is filled with weddings. Uh, the Bible begins with the story of a man and a woman joined by God. And the word ends 
with a wedding of the bride, the church, that's joined forever with our heavenly bridegroom. And I'm looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, we're spirit-filled people. The problem is we spiritualize everything. And uh, when Jesus resurrected from the grave, his disciples in fear were in a room. Doors were locked, windows were locked. He went right through the wall and then sat down and ate with them. <laughs> I, you know, the Bible talks about a first death and a second death. It also talks about a first resurrection and a second resurrection. The Bible said, blessed are those who are involved in the second resurrection that don't experience the second death. The Bible says that he's going to change our body that, or our vile body, I think that's what it says in Philippians, that it may be fashioned like unto his body. So, call me a heathen if you like, but... Uh, I believe we're going to do after the second resurrection what he did after his resurrection. I think we're going to eat. <laughs> I'm not spiritualizing the marriage supper of the Lamb. I really think we're going to eat. We don't get drunk. We don't smoke dope. We don't do a lot of the things. We call it fellowship, but it's eating. We're really good at that in Pentecost, eating. And uh, I've been to a lot of weddings in my life. I... I've officiated in a lot of weddings in 45 years. I, I've been involved in very modest weddings, which were just a few family members in my office, sometimes in somebody's backyard. I, I've, I've, uh, I've been involved in very elaborate weddings, lots of people, beautiful flower arrangements, expensive dresses, dinners that I would cringe if I knew how much per plate that was costing the bride's dad. We're the bride, or we're espoused to be the bride. And not only is he our bridegroom, he's our heavenly father. And since the father is always responsible for the dinner, I promise you, you don't want to miss the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is going to be one very, very special evening. And it doesn't surprise me that Jesus began his ministry at a wedding. Although it appears he didn't want to start it on that day. Um, I've always believed he intended to start his ministry in Jerusalem on the feast. And if you read later on after this miracle was performed, he, he went away and he didn't, nobody was in touch with him until he could go to Jerusalem for the feast day when he cleansed the temple and did all those miracles. I think that's how he really expected his ministry to begin. <clears throat> but mom showed up. And um, uh, now I know she spoke in tongues. I don't know what, well, I do know what she said. I don't know exactly what she said. I just, you know, they, how do I say this? It was a great miracle when Mary gave birth to Jesus. But it was a greater miracle when he gave birth to her. Mary needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like everybody else. And so I know she spoke with tongues. 
And I know when you speak with tongues, you magnify him in a language you don't know. So I don't know exactly what she said, but I know the gist of it. However, these are the last recorded words in the Bible we have that she said. Whatever he says, you need to do it, which is a great way to live. Just if he tells you to do something, you need to do it. And I, I, before I left, I tried to show you how family members played such a role in his ministry. I, I think I can prove that of the 12 original chosen, there were three sets of brothers. And um, I, I have little doubt that this wedding was either someone in the family or very closely associated with his family. It says in verse 11, this is the first miracle that he performed. I like that. That's just how it starts. <laughs> he took water and turned it into wine. He took, is there anything more powerless than water? Drink all of it you want. You're never getting drunk. Your bladder might explode, but you ain't getting drunk. It's powerless water. Jesus took something that was powerless and turned it into something with some punch. Took something that was clear and odorless and gave it a great smell and a great color. That's just the beginning. When he comes into our life in the beginning, that's what happens. He takes you and I who are insipid and tasteless and powerless and turns us. He said, you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And, and there are 37 miracles in the Bible that Jesus performed. When you read John chapter 20, it said, not even the world. There were many other miracles which Jesus did, the which I suppose not even the world could contain the books that could have been written. <laughs> There's repeated times in the Bible where it said they brought the whole city and he healed them all. If Jesus was here today, Beaumont's right up the street. They'd empty Beaumont. Henry Ford would be empty. These neighborhoods around us, people would just come here. He healed them all. We have 37 miracles. But the Bible said the world... The Library of Congress is the largest library in America. It has 39 million books on its shelves in one location. If you took the globe, there is 197 million square miles of surface on the world. Of that 197 million, 57 million is dirt, land above sea level. But the Bible doesn't say earth. It says not even the world could contain the books, which means if you had 197 million square miles of space, you still wouldn't have enough space to write all the stories about all the miracles and all of the people that he affected in three and a half years. It interested me, study the 
ministry of Moses. Moses began his ministry by turning water into blood. Jesus begins his ministry by turning water into wine. Verse 6 gives us, it said, they were after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. I've heard lots of people preach from these verses through the years, and they, they say that Jesus took that dirty water and turned it into wine, but that's not what it says. The pots were empty. He filled them to the brim. Now, there may have been water in it, from you got to understand, my, my wife, a couple of days ago, we were in Mexico. And she sat at the couch and put her feet up on this little <laughs> hammock. And I said, Renee, your feet are filthy. I mean, my precious sweetheart had the dirtiest feet I've ever seen her have. And it wasn't like she was walking out in the street. She was walking around where we were staying. But back then, of course, you've got open sewage going down the street. You've got a lot of dirt. You come into a place, wash your hands. Servants would wash your feet. That's what these pots were for. Washing your hands and washing your feet. Jesus commanded them to fill the pots with water. And he turned it into the finest vintage that the host had ever put in his mouth. I spent a lot of time researching wine. Do you know there are professional wine tasters? That's what they do for a living. They're known as sommeliers. There, there, there are 1,600 taste buds on or around your tongue. And these, these people have the ability. There's four S's. If you've ever seen anybody with this, they pour this wine into a very beautiful glass and they smell it. And then they hold it up and they swirl it. And, uh, and then they'll just look at it. They see it, they smell it, they swirl it, and then they sip it. And it's not gargling, but they put enough in their mouth that it coats their entire tongue. So every one of those sensory organs on your tongue gets to taste that wine. And a real pro, if we had 50 glasses up here today, all the same glass, look like the same color of wine. A real pro can see it, swirl it, smell it, sip it, and can tell you where in the world that wine came from. They literally know, did it came from France? Did it come from California? There, in the last couple of years, Michigan has produced some very respected wines. Me, I'm lucky to know the difference between Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> when I go to place, you got Dr. Pepper? No, we have Mr. Pibb. No, he didn't complete his education. <laughs> Not drinking Mr. Pibb. You have to have good dirt. Minerals in the soil make all the difference 
and growing the vines needed to produce good grapes. You got to know when to harvest those grapes. Store them in these giant wooden barrels and allow them to age. Last year, a bottle of something known as Chateau Rothschild from 1945 sold for $310,000. 78 years old, still unopened, but coveted because they know this is going to be great stuff and it should be for 78 large or 310,000. We have recorded in the Bible what is known as the miracle of the fish and the loaves. My grandma used to put pretzels in a baggie in her big purse. I was lucky to make it through the first song. In the middle of the first song, I'm rummaging through Miney's big purse because I know somewhere grandma's got pretzels. And I'm munching on them pretzels before the first hymn is done. So it's a miracle to me the kids still got a lunch after three days. And I know enough about fish and bread. You put fresh fried fish in a brown paper sack and three days later, you, you, you ever get old French fries from McDonald's? You know what I'm talking about? That bag's really, really, really brown because all that grease is seeping out of there. Jesus takes three-day-old fish and old bread. He feeds 5,000 people. You understand what that means? He tied the line. He baited the hook. He caught the fish. He broiled it and served hot, fresh fish all the while plowing the field, sowing the seed, harvesting the wheat, crushing and mixing the flour with the salt and the yeast, always needed to make good bread. We're talking about red lobster and Panera bread in his hands. I wonder it said he can make a thousand years be a day. He could take that whole process of catching fish and Bacon bread and just doing it in his hands. This is what happened with the water. He planted the young vines. He made them grow. He harvested the grapes, crushed them, stored them in vats, aged the juice until it stuns the governor. The best vintage. So you tell me, how much would a bottle of the wine that Jesus made sell for? And this is how it all started. Go back with me and pitch your tent here. Slow your mind to a thinker's pace for just a moment and go back with me to the confusion and the embarrassment of that day. As someone who we would probably call the wedding planner nervously goes to the father of bride and lets him know we're out of wine. And again, be because I believe it was probably family, Mary is privy to this embarrassing news that very few of the others know what's going on. I can see it now. Jesus, come here. I've been putting up with this foolishness for 30 years. 
They have made fun of me. They called me a whore. I've I've had sarcastic jeers and remarks made about me. Now, you know and I know you're not like everybody else. (laughs) Now, son, it's 30 years. You're 30 years old. For goodness sakes, don't you think it's time to do something? (laughs) Oh, the power of a mother's voice. I can prove to you in the Bible that we're brothers and sisters. I can prove to you that in the Bible. You know in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12 compares two mountains, Sinai and Zion. And when you read down in that chapter, it said, we are not come unto the mount that burns with fire nor blackness nor tempest. It's talking about Sinai. But it says, but you are come unto Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, to the blood of Jesus that speaketh better things than the blood of sprinkling, the spirits of just men made perfect, innumerable company of angels. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe we have access to angels today? I do, I do. See, angels never die. I believe it's very possible that you or I in the Eurachlodon of our lives might have had access to the very same angel that spent the night with Daniel in a lion's den. We, we possibly, the Bible said you entertain angels and you don't even know it. It's very possible that someone here has had the very same angel that turned the trio into a quartet into the fire. The angel that led Peter out of prison. He literally kicked Peter and said, wake up. That's how worried he was about dying. And led him out of the inner prison. Paul one night, one time said, there stood by me this night, the angel of the Lord. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? Do you believe you have access to the blood of the cross? I do. I believe the blood is in the name. And I'm going to go around Robin Hood barn, but this goes everywhere, so I want you to understand it. Leviticus says life of the flesh is in the blood. But it doesn't say that in the New Testament. It says these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name. So according to John 20, 31, if you have the name, you have life. If you have life, based on Leviticus 17 and 11, you have blood. If you have blood, you have remission. If you have remission, Jesus got Alzheimer's. So I tell people I have sometimers. You know, it's not all time, just sometimes. I'm telling you, when you're baptized in the name of the Lord, Old things are passed away. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You never lived before that day. (laughs) Remember biology? Kingdom, phylum, class, order, genus, species. Remember all that? You get in these original Greek words. It literally says we're a new species. We're not Adam with a band-aid on it. We're a new creation. In Christ Jesus. 
That's why Satan's terrified of you. Terrified of you. So if you don't have the name, you don't have life. Because there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Right? I'm, I'm in the Bible here. So, if you don't have the name, you can't have life. If you don't have life, you can't have blood because life of the flesh is in the blood. If you don't have blood, it says in Hebrews 9 and 22, without blood, there's no remission. Which means you just got wet. I'm trying to show you something. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. There's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin. And that's the blood of Jesus. So how do we access the blood of Jesus today? The blood's in the name. That's why in the Old Testament when they went to that laver and that priest washed the blood mixed with the water. The Bible talks about the blood and the water agree. When you get into water, it's just water until they say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the blood in the name agrees with the water. And you have the greatest detergent the world has ever known. Oh, that ought to make you go nuts. Because he, you know, he said, my brother's blood cries from the ground. The blood of Abel was screaming. Avenge me, avenge me. But the blood of Jesus says something better than the blood of Abel. It says, forgive me, forgive me. I believe we have access to angels. I believe we have access to the blood. I I believe that because of the church on the other side of the cross, those just men and women from the old covenant are perfected. They without us are not made perfect, but with us they are. Okay? I'm going backwards through Hebrews 12, which means we're the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And if we are, we're Zion. And if we're Zion, we're the heavenly Jerusalem. All right? So you take that to Galatians. And Galatians says, Jerusalem which is above, or the heavenly Jerusalem, is it four? Thank you. Jerusalem, which is above, is free. What's that? The church, which is the mother of us all. He's our father. Church is our mother. That's why we be brothers and sisters. You got, you got family on the other side of this planet. You can't even pronounce their names. But there's going to be family reunion one day. And there ain't going to be no eight mile in the new Jerusalem. Ain't going to be no hood in the new Jerusalem. There's only one color that matters. Blood. Blood. Somebody from every tribe. Somebody from every kindred. Somebody from every. Oh. You feel that? That's just the witness of the Spirit of the Lord. He said, Harold's right. <laughs> it's just, this, this stuff stuns me when I read it. 
because the church is the mother. This is my mom right there. This is Esther Gertrude. She don't like when I say that, but I'm 65 years old. When Esther Gertrude wants something, yes, mother. What can I do for you? I'm telling you, back then, when his mom said, Jesus, fix it. Yes, ma'am. And if the voice of the mother back then affected him, the voice of the mother or the church still affects him. When mom asks for something, he's going to do everything he can. He literally can move heaven and hell. (laughs) The word is avail. The effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people availeth much. This is what it says in the message. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. (laughs) Avail is the root word of available. There used to be a commercial years ago for something called E.F. Hutton. They were an investment firm. They said, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Well, when Esther talks, Harold listens. And when the church talks, Jesus listens. Don't think your prayers don't matter. I have a friend named Edwin Harper. He'll watch this this afternoon when he finishes preaching. But he told me about a friend of his that went to this prayer meeting in Kentucky. My wife's sister went to this thing in Kentucky, sending us these videos. There's thousands of people there. They're talking in tongues everywhere. It's not, we're not talking about Bible college here. We're talking about a, a, a school. They had a, a, a chapel service and a couple of the students didn't leave. They just stayed and prayed. And they prayed through the night and the next day and the night and the next day. And people started coming and coming. Now they're coming from all over the country. That doesn't just happen in Kentucky. That can happen in Detroit. It's about hunger. It's about desire. I'll prove it to you. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened under you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask of his father for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, watch this, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It avails, it matters. Watch, watch, watch with me as these nervous servants give this glass to the wedding planner. I don't know if he smelled, sipped. I think he probably just took a generous gulp. And then his eyes flare open in surprise and he takes another one and he goes, 
Most people bring out the cheap stuff as the evening goes on, but not you. You saved the best for last. (laughs) I don't have time to stay here, but I could stay here for a long time. I was in Wisconsin not long ago. Hey, you know, Michigan, I know it's called the Great Lakes State, but they've got this thing they've been promoting, pure Michigan, okay? You go to New Mexico, they call it the land of enchantment. You go to Wisconsin, it's called the Badger State, but I was there a couple weeks ago, and they've got a new program in Wisconsin. It just says, forward. I like that. I've never been on a cruise, but I was... Heard one recently from Viking Cruise Lines. Last year voted number one on rivers and seas. I heard the owner give a speech. He said, we're number one. And you know, when you're number one, they say there's only one way to go. And he said, I say, forward. Forward. Let me tell you about Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And you call his name. Whose name? The son's name. You call him wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. But when you go into the book of Hebrews. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews did not refer to Jesus as prince. He called him the king of peace. In just a couple days, Prince Charles will be called king of England. He's in his 60s. He's had the best schools, best training, been sitting there twiddling his thumbs. My wife used to get this magazine called Architectural Digest. I remember years ago opening up the first page of this expensive decorating magazine and it said, you can have a watercolor from Prince Charles. Buckingham Palace, Sandringham, whatever. And I'm thinking, here's a guy that's had the best education the world could possibly give him and he's painting by numbers. And for 3,500 bucks, you can have one of Chuck's watercolors. That's how frustrating it is to be a prince. That's why he is known as the prince of the power of the air. See, the Bible said every good and perfect gift is from above, which is air, and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is new variableness, neither shadow of turning. Do you get what I'm telling you? Satan's the prince of the power of the air. He's not the power of the air. He's the prince. He'll be king if the one in charge dies. However, that one said, I am he that was dead, and now I'm alive forevermore. The Lord Almighty Omnipotent reigneth. It's present progressive verbs. It means he's doing it and he's going to keep on doing it, never going to stop. I don't mean disrespect, but Lizzie finally checked out and Prince now gets to be the king. You know how frustrated Chuck's been for the last 67 years? You tell me how frustrated Satan is. 
Do you know? I remember, I remember the first time I heard Rush Limbaugh, 1988. They used to have restaurants in this area called Rush Rooms. And on your lunch, you could go in this room and they would play Rush Limbaugh's radio broadcast. And all these people going there listening to Rush. I get this mental model of Rush Limbaugh, six foot five, black wavy hair, all buff and cut, steel blue eyes, had that nice brown skin, you know. I remember the first time I saw Rush Limbaugh. Are you kidding me? This chubby guy with that obnoxious tie, that's Rush Limbaugh? I mean, he looks like me. Hairs leaving, two bellies, three chins. Do you know one day you're going to see Satan? You're going to see him. And this is what you're going to say. Are you joking? This is the bum that made nations tremble. Really? He looks like some hobo sleeping under a bridge. Watch. As long as Jesus remains prince, nothing's going to change. You have to make him king. If you're, if Jesus is living in the same boundaries as he was when you first found him, then his government of your life has not increased. You got to crown him king and you move him from prince to potentate. And, and the peace of Jesus Christ is in direct proportion to the property that you now allow him to have access in your spirit. If his government over you increases, so does his peace. So are you worried? Are you having anxiety attacks? Are you freaking out with all this garbage that's going on on the planet? I got the answer. Give him more control in your life. Because if his government increases, there'll be no end to his peace. Translation, it's just going to keep getting better. Now, I've always tried to be a positive preacher. I've always tried to say the glass half full. But that's if you're in a church. You see, if you're in a church, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. I was in Canada years ago. Where was I at? I was in Toronto. And a couple of friends of mine said, let's have lunch at the Four Seasons, which is a swanky place. I couldn't afford to stay there, but we thought maybe I could afford to have lunch. So I got there early. I noticed the waitresses were just going crazy. I looked around and sitting beside of me is, is the wealthiest landowner in the United States. I'm not going to tell you who that is because that crazy live stream goes nuts. This guy's worth billions. Billions. 
He's treating these waitresses like they're the lowest form of life on the planet. He signs his credit card and leaves. I couldn't help myself. I just slid my chair over and I looked at his American Express card. Just as I thought. No tip. Cheapskate bum. And what I wanted to tell him was, sir, you better enjoy all that stuff you've accumulated. Because this is as better, this is as good as it's ever going to be right now. You don't serve the Lord, you're going to be like Jonah. He went down to Joppa, went down in the boat, went down the sea, it's just down. Peter and John going up to pray. <laughs> Everything about him's up. You read the book of Ezekiel. Read, is it Ezekiel or Isaiah 14, where Satan said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above the heavens. I will dwell on the sides of the north. Well, guess what? Everything I read about Satan, he's going down. But let me tell you what the Bible says. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, we're going to meet him in the clouds. Satan said, I will be like the Most High. John said, Beloved, doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. Now, I don't know what this means. I'll just show you from my perspective. I have lived in a lot of places in my life. When I first got married, we had an apartment in St. Louis. I went to college in Houston, Texas. We've had, you know, we lived in Japan. Uh, I, 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 I've been in a lot of places around this world. Every place I've ever, every major city I've ever been to, the swanky part of town is on the north. Every major, Indianapolis is like, I can go on and on and on and on. I don't know one city that the high rollers live in the southern part of the city. So I don't know what this means, but Satan said, I'm going to dwell on the sides of the north. But I know what David said. Beautiful for situation is Mount Zion who dwells in the north. See, everything Satan wanted, you get. He said he was going up, he went down. You're going up. He said he was going to be like the most high. He isn't, you will. He was going to dwell in the Bloomfield Hills of New Jerusalem. You get to go there. He hates you. He hates you. You say, Pater Hobbin, I don't understand why. I'm, do you understand why you're under such pressure right now? He knows you have the ability to be a mighty weapon. He knows. He knows. And he's going to do everything he can to burglarize your joy and to steal your faith. So you got to fool him. With joy. It doesn't say drink. It says with joy shall you draw water. Draw. I've, I've been around pumps when I was a kid. You, you can hear it coming. That's the way you're going to be. See, you're not always going to feel like smiling, but you got to smile. Yeah. Amen. You're not going to feel like we're, stick your hands in the air. Your hands may be feeble. The Bible said, strengthen them feeble knees. Stand up, lift up your hands, lift up your head, lift up your eyes, lift up your voice, and the King of glory will come in. That's what it says. You read the book of Job. Read the book of Job. 
Job said, I looked on the left, I couldn't find him. I looked on the right, he wasn't there. I looked behind me, I couldn't see him. I looked in front of me, I couldn't find him. There's one place Job didn't look. I'm telling you, he said he knows the way that I take. I'm preaching to somebody here right now. The enemy's just got you beat to death, for goodness sakes. Don't let him burglarize your joy. Don't let him steal your faith. Oh, Jesus. Give me, give me five minutes and I'll shut up. It's the first mention I can find. You ever heard of Joshua? The first mention I can find of him is in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 8. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses. That's the first verse that introduces him in the Bible. Look at the book of Job. Where you been? Been going throughout the earth just trying to find somebody to mess up their life. Have you considered my servant, Job? My sir, what kind of life do you have to live in order for Jesus Christ himself to recommend you for a trial? That's powerful stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Powerful stuff. Because here are these servants bringing this cup to this guy. Hmm. Woo! You saved the best till last. It said the governor of the feast didn't know where it came from. The father of the bride didn't know what it came from. But over there in the shadows is a couple grinning servants. <laughs> I know where it came from. <laughs> I know where it came from. You know why? Servants always know. I'm telling you, if you will serve the Lord Jesus Christ, he will give you access to information that's off limits to everybody else. The leaders won't know it. The politicians won't know it. But the servants, they always know. I, I, I travel more than I should, but I made a huge commitment to this new building, and so I'm moonlighting trying to make some money. I preach in a lot of places. I was in a place not long ago between the North Pole and the South Pole. I made these preachers so they, they were nervous. As nervous as an Amish electrician. It's just, uh, see, I'm preaching and the crowd, there's a oh, big crowd. They're going nuts. They're going crazy. And behind me are all the word guys, the word guys. There's nothing uglier than a preacher's hairy leg above his socks. And the crowd's going crazy. And the word guys are behind me going. I, I preached at camp one time in Arkansas. It was a youth camp. It went good. The guy, next guy next week got sick. They said, would you stay and do the second week? I said, yeah, sure. So I did the second week. The third week they said, would you do the adult camp? I said, yeah, sure. So I've been here for three weeks. After three weeks, these kids, I love preaching to kids, man. They go crazy. This, this pastor comes up to me and he said, I got a bone to pick with you. I said, okay. He said, I was down here two weeks ago and our kids were here going crazy. Just dancing and shouting and doing all this. They came home and they, they, they didn't do nothing. And I said, well, brother, that's the easiest question in the world to answer. 
Oh, really? What's the answer? I said, they were just imitating whatever they're surrounded by. They came here to this camp meeting and all them other kids were worshiping, so they worshiped. But I've watched you this whole week and you don't worship. And the kids acted like their same dead preacher because you're as dry as last year's bird nest. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I got something to say to you right now. This is important. It bugs me when preachers think that saints are there for one purpose. Wash my car, cut my grass, give me a big birthday present. Don't you, I don't want to dime next Sunday. You hear me? I'm not here. Just, it bugs me, man. Here's the pastor's parking spot. Here's the pastor's wife's parking spot. Here's this guy. It's like, I, most of the time I park over there where the dentist is. Why? We, we can't run this thing like a country club. The good spots are for the guest, not the long standing. This is not a country club. You understand that? I, I, I was. I was in a motel. I was in a motel. And I, I, I saw on television, hold, wait till the preacher comes. And they all stand. And here he comes, you know, oh, Buana. And all I can remember is this. Jesus said, the son of man came not to be ministered to, but he came to minister. This is not Harold Hoffman's church. Don't ever tell anybody you go to Brother Hoffman Church. I'm going to be dead and gone one day. This needs to belong. It can't be personality driven. This has got to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I love you. I, thank you for all the cards. Thank you for all the nice things you've done for my family. But if you really, really want to make me happy, go with me to the new Jerusalem. Meet me around the throne. Let's take off our crowns together and throw them at the feet of the real king. I don't need you to serve me. I'm a servant just like you. And you know what? Because we choose to serve him, we're going to know stuff that nobody else in this world knows. Because when everything that can be shaken shakes, people are going to start. I saw it in Turkey. 47,000 confirmed dead. Look on YouTube. They're running in the middle of the streets. Why? They can't trust the buildings. Buildings are falling on the left. Buildings on the right. They're in this town square trying to find the safe place. That ought to be you. That ought to be me. This world's shaking right now, ladies and gentlemen. And there's always been a debate. All the way since the beginning, there was a group of preachers that said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith? And the love of many will wax cold. And then there's another group that said, but the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than any of the former. They're both right. I'm telling you, there's backslid apostolics right now who have no faith. They're depressed. They're scared to death. Let me give you a, let me give you a, COVID is over. Aren't you glad we don't serve a God that practiced social distancing? You draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. No mask. I'm not trying to be stupid. I'm trying to show you something. There's always been a group of people in church that were depressed and said it's going to get worse and worse. And there's always been an, I choose to live in the other camp, the glory of the latter house. No, Pentecostals don't want it. A bunch of college kids in Kentucky will want it. Somebody's going to go after that. He's coming back for a glorious church. Not a depressed church. A glorious church. 
I'm almost done. January 6th, Cincinnati Bengals are playing the Buffalo Bills. It's the last game of the regular season. 65,515 seats have been sold. Anywhere from $30 up to $10,300 per seat. Mr. Cool, Joe Burrows, is at the helm of the Bengals. And you've got Josh Allen, who's the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. It's the first quarter. All of us, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars have been spent on tickets and $5 slices of pizza and hats and merchandise. But when T. Higgins hit DeMar Hamlin, these guys are in perfect physical specimens. But when Higgins hit Hamlin, his heart went to cardiac arrest. Fortunately, one of the trainers that came out realized what was going on. And if you see it, this is not just Cincinnati. This is Cincinnati and Buffalo. Both teams are on the field. Both teams are praying. People in the stands are praying. And, and against all NFL, you're talking about the game that's going to determine playoff, you know, where, where they are, who gets home field advantage. They never finished the game. They stopped the game. They, they stopped the game. And I'm here to tell you that right now, there are hundreds of people in this city. Compound that with our nation, with the world, that are in, re it is time to suspend the games that are played in the name of competitive Christianity and realize that playing has to be replaced with praying. How do I know that? I'm a servant. I'm a servant. My president doesn't know this. He ain't got a clue. I know this. You know this. I know what the Bible said. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. But let me tell you what it says in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of a servant, submitted himself. And because he was a servant, he's been given a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he's Lord. Are you a servant? Are you willing to be a servant? Are you going to stay in your fear and your anxiety? Well, I'm telling you that there is information that's available to you only if you're willing to serve the kingdom. Stand with me. Because only servants know. Only servants know. Don't be amazed. See, the Bible doesn't say Jesus has life. It says he is life. It doesn't say he has knowledge. He is knowledge. The Bible doesn't say God is a spirit. It's God is spirit. If he was a spirit, he's just one of many. But if he's the supreme spirit, then all the others come from him. You understand what I'm telling you? He's the well. He's the vault. He's the source. Why would you ignore life? Why would you ignore knowledge, peace, gentleness, goodness? There's fruits of the Spirit. There's gifts of the Spirit. I was so happy I called last Sunday. Brother Aubin had tongues and interpretation in the first service. Oh, that's usually the quieter one. Guess what? Tongues and interpretation. Oh, uh, we don't want all that foolish. We're not even close to being out of control right now. 
Spirit of her prophet subject to the prophet. That's me. I don't ever call myself a prophet, but I am a pastor. Thing gets out of control, I'll shut it down. We ain't anywhere close to being out of control. Remember that scripture says, Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose. I was in North Carolina years ago and an old preacher preached a message. We ain't drunk as we pose to be. A lot of, a lot of similarities between spirit-filled people in a bar. You know, you go to a bar and they just say, hey man, you're here, come on, get a drink. You know, dancing together. having a, That's the way a church ought to be. You know, I heard about a guy go up to the bar pulled a pitcher out drunk another give me another bottle of beer sir pulled a pitcher out looked at it give me another bottle of beer he said that's your fourth beer what's going on he said I'm married to a really ugly woman and he said the more I drink she gets looking better and better and when she really looks beautiful I go home I go home Boy, watch that go all over the planet. Come with me around the altar. I won't embarrass you. I, I, I won't. I, I won't. It's not in me. I won't. I'm asking you if you can walk, move out of your pew. Don't stay in your pew. Let it, let it be a, a witness to the Lord. I'm changing locations. I'm, 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 I'm moving from where I've been so comfortable for so long. In Jesus' name. I never told these people what to sing, but they, they've sung such, they set me up today with the songs that they sang and they'll sing in just a moment. But we're going to pray right now. If it's appropriate, you could, might want to pray for somebody else right now. Man to man, woman to woman. I've seen men in church, they only prayed for the women. Don't do that. Just pray for another man, okay? Jesus name close your eyes raise your hands Lord Jesus you are our master (laughs) we make you king today Lord I apologize I tried to do this by myself I messed this up so bad I thought my education could answer it I thought my money could answer it I thought I could talk my way out of it, but none of it worked. I'm right here right now, Lord, but I'm still breathing. And according to your word, everything that has breath needs to praise the Lord. So I thank you, God, that you've given me mercy and grace to be in your house right now. I've heard your word. I make a covenant around this altar. I'm not going home the same man. I'm not going home the same woman. I refuse to keep you within the boundaries of where I've always kept you. The fence comes down today, Lord. The door opens today. I want you to know, Lord, I'm going to make you king over my habits. I'm going to make you king over my hobbies. I'm going to make you king over my thought life. I'm going to make you king over my vocabulary. I'm going to make you king over my relationships. I thought I was supposed to date that girl, but I think you're telling me to get away from her. I thought I was supposed to be with that boy, but if I hear you today, you're saying get away from that non-growth situation. There may be people God wants to put in your life. Are you, would you open up your spirit here today and be willing to take him from the prince and put him on the throne? Lord, I'm not going to be amazed when you say, you must be born again of water and spirit. 
that's not going to surprise me as it did that man all those years ago. Lord, I'm going to be baptized in your name. I want the blood of Jesus to be applied to my life and to wash my sin away. But I don't want you just to paint my house. I want to put a strong man in it. I want you to fill me with your spirit, Lord. I want to be able to live as clean as I was when I came out of the baptistry. I want to live above sin. I don't want to have familiar spirits. I don't want to get used to ugly things being in my life, carnal things being in my life. I've got people here today that are vaping. I've got people here that are smoking weed. I've got people here that are cussing. I've got people here that are doing stupid stuff. I'm asking you, God, right now, speak to our spirits right now. As we submit ourselves to serve you, I believe you'll give us information. You'll talk to us. You will speak to us. You'll let us know who to spend our time with and who to avoid. You'll know where to put our money and where to not waste it any longer. I'm asking you, Jesus, right now, bless my brother. <laughs> bless my sister. Bless their family. Bless their family. Bless their marriage. Their boy. Their girl. Oh, Jesus. That we'd be the head and not the bottom. That we would be on top and never beneath. That we would be the lender and not the borrower. You would bless our basket and bless our store. In the name of Jesus. Sing away, kids. I know we've already prayed once, but push one more time, okay? Push one more time. There's not finished business. Everything, James. 